Well, we are back with the Down to Earth podcast. I'm very grateful to be with a friend of mine, Alan Cagle from Sunrise Community Church here in Jacksonville. Alan, how are you? Very well. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we've worked on this for a little while. Um, we have. So, <laughs> so I'm glad it's finally worked out. Um, and just like before my other episodes, I'm going to let you kind of start us off and just kind of share about your your story of how you kind of came to repentance and faith in Jesus and uh, kind of since then, what was your road to kind of where you are or how you got to here now at Sunrise? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my dad was a Southern Baptist pastor uh, most of my life. So my dad was, was my pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up a, a preacher's kid. And so I knew the gospel from a very early age. Uh, never really went through that season of like serious doubts about the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of always knew Jesus died for my sins. Um, could repeat the basics, uh, mm-hmm. things like that. But I would say I went through most of my uh, childhood, high school days. I was pretty moral, good kid. I think I figured out as a teenager pretty early on that the the best way to preserve your freedom was to at least be compliant mm. <laughs> with your kids so or with your parents. Um, I was just watching all my friends get in all kinds of trouble and, you know, lose yeah. their car and lose their privileges and couldn't go to the, yeah. couldn't go out and things <laughs> like that. And, and so for me, it was, uh, I think Christianity or at least what looked like Christian fruit was really just a product of sort of a practical, pragmatic, this is how I preserve my freedom and do what I want to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I was a I was a pretty moral, uh, moralistic kind of kid, um, but it wasn't until really high school, uh, later high school, and then um, into my college years when I really wrestled with who Christ was, mm-hmm. what it meant to really uh, be a follower of Jesus. Um, that brought me into you know my first years of college, um, and I'll fast forward through s- some of that uh, just to say I I believe it was really my second year of college that the Lord saved me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually studying the scriptures, and I, at that point, kind of leaned into uh, pursuing a, a career, uh, pursuing pastoral ministry. Mm. And it was really through that whole process that I began to to recognize, you know, my need for Christ, and that it was more than uh, just doing the right things and not getting in a bunch mm. of trouble. Yeah. Um, it actually meant to surrender my will uh, in my life to Christ. So I believe it was at that point that I was truly converted, um, even after... Um, most of the people I think that were around me yeah. uh, practically would have thought yeah. that guy's already a Christian. Right. Um, but for me, it was uh, it was external, not internal. Sure. Um, that sure. changed, you know, in my early college days. Yeah. Was it weird for you? Because I'm also a pastor's kid, um, and there were a few of my siblings who, um, very similar story to yours. My dad's Southern Baptist pastor as well, um, and some of my siblings later in life early college um kind of same thing came to that realization that you know what i've been able to play church my whole life i've been able to wear this kind of christian mask but i really haven't trusted jesus right um so i know for some of them it was kind of weird because i'm in this huge family we're all you know christians but I just realized I'm not one and now I, I'm coming clean. You know what I mean? Right. Was that, did you experience, was it kind of weird for you to like, Yeah, you know? It was, um, you know, I'd say my parents didn't necessarily, you know, understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think partially because, 
you know, and I, I don't want to paint the wrong picture here. I wasn't a perfect kid yeah. uh, by any stretch. <laughs> um, but I think I was moral enough uh, to where I had most people around me that would say, yeah, he's a pretty good guy. Um, yeah. You know, we're not worried about him stealing the wallet, <laughs> my wallet if I leave it out or, you know, yeah. the car or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it was it was a little bit weird for me. Um you know, led to a lot of conversations with my dad, um, mm. you know, about that, about what it means to be saved, conversion. Uh, later on, just working through some some doctrinal things theologically mm-hmm. um, with with him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, it did put, uh, I, want, I don't know if put a strain on the relationships, the right word, but I mean, there were definitely a lot of things that we mm. talked through and mm. worked through just sure. kind of as I came to grips with what that meant, right? you know, in my right. own heart and life. Sure. And then after college, did you go to any seminary? And then what did that kind of, what did that road look like to get you to where you are now at Sunrise? Yeah. Um, so I, when I went to college, I changed majors multiple times. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't even remember exactly. <laughs> I think my first, I think my first semester, I was a sports med major for a minute or two. Um, nice. I had a anatomy and physiology class that kind of talked me out of that pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't do that. Um, then I was looking at business, looking at communication, some other things. Um, and it was really then, uh, through this process of the Lord saving me, uh, really a growing interest in studying the scriptures. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never really, I, I understood kind of cursory level, the stories of the Bible, but I'd never really done any like deeper thought into theology and things like that. Um, I tell people I wasn't, I, I was a good enough student where I could sort of skate by. I figured out expectations for a class and could get an okay grade. I yeah. just sort of skating by. Yeah. Um, but the first book I remember reading cover to cover was in college, and it was chosen by God by R.C. Sproul. Um, yeah. And I, I had a chance to meet R.C. Sproul uh, many years later, and I told him no. that was the first book that wow. I ever read that I ever remember reading cover to cover. No way. Um, and he just laughed and said, well, you didn't pick an easy one to start with. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was through that process, I really just, just a hunger for studying, um, a hunger for teaching the word. Um, mm-hmm. It was at that time that uh, my dad actually transitioned from being a pastor um, at that point. He came to work at a university. Um, and so my family moved. Um, and so it was through that relocation and just a number of different factors um, that, that kind of led to me want to do that um so there was no like people people ask sometimes like about a call to ministry or you know was mm-hmm. there a specific moment yeah. in time there really wasn't for me i think first timothy 3 one starts out if a man desires the office it's a good desire good mm-hmm. office good work he desires to do um so i think that's where it starts and that's where it started with me just a desire to uh, be a shepherd um desire for the work of ministry desire for the teaching ministry and so mm-hmm. Started leaning into that, um, ended up graduating with a biblical studies degree um, at University of Mobile, and then I started working at a local church there um, in Mobile for a while. We got married, and then a little over a year after we got married, um, ended up moving out to California to go to master's seminary. Um, So I was there from 2001 to 2007, um, and so I graduated did an MDiv, uh, master seminary, worked at Grace Church for a while um, out there, mm. the church associated with seminary, and then came back to Mobile, uh, and that was from 2007 till January or December of 2012, and then I came here in January gotcha. of 13 gotcha. uh, to Sunrise. Gotcha. So you've been here since 2013? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, awesome. that's right. Awesome. Well, in your time here, one of my favorite questions to ask, you know, pastors of their churches is kind of what's your what's your favorite thing? Or if someone, you know, when you think about your local body here, is there anything that really stands out that, you know, your church maybe exemplifies this one Christ-like character really well or, you know, what would you kind of say is one of the things you really just love about Sunrise? Yeah, there's a few different ways I could answer that. Um, Maybe I'll give you a couple if that's okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, I love, I've told many of my friends this who who are in ministry in different places, I love our leadership team, our elders. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a plurality of elders and what that means is I'm one elder. Uh, we have eight elders right now, and I'm one. I have a voice at the table, and I'm just very grateful for plurality. Um, sometimes it's not the most efficient way to get things done. Uh, sometimes it's slow. Uh, you have to bring people along, um, but I'm very grateful for that, mm-hmm. and I've seen the wisdom of having plurality work out. I sure. I do think biblically uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to me biblically, but I think... Yeah seeing the practical side of that too, just seeing it work out, uh, has been really good for me, uh, to see, to see that function and work. Um, I think one thing that I would say about our congregation on the whole, I I just feel like we, we do, you know, I would, I wouldn't want to say we're the, the model of anything necessarily, but I do think we do a pretty decent job of welcoming people in and just being a warm and friendly place, um, a place where people, people can be, um, We have all different types, all different, all different uh, status of life, younger, yeah. older. Um, mm. So I, I'm really, I'm really glad for that. Yeah. Uh, to have kind of multi-generational. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely speak to the truthfulness of yeah. that answer. Cause yeah, we, we visited here many a times. So um, there were several people I got the chance and I still hang out with um, today from, from your church. So it's been great building relationships with you and a few others your other uh, associate pastor david yeah um um is great so uh i i can concur <laughs> uh i love it that's awesome what would you say kind of on the other side of the coin maybe is there anything here that you would like to see more development maybe more growth maturity, change, even, you know, is there anything kind of that you or others in your leadership are kind of wanting to see, oh no, move into a different direction, anything at all? Yeah, I think we're, as Christians, and I, I think maybe maybe I speak for myself here more than Christians in general, but just, just being better at exporting the faith, um, mm. being more evangelistic, um, being out there a little bit more. I think me as a pastor, yeah, I'm convicted sometimes when I read, you know, Paul's words, do the work of an evangelist. Um, mm. And I think you can you can do that through the preaching of the word. I yeah. uh, also think that needs to be through personal conversations as well. So I think myself, you know, starting with myself and then I think filtering down um, into other people as well. I think that's something on the whole we could probably yeah. work on um, yeah. and do better at. And, that, you know, there's a few in my church that are just like constant challenges to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're just, they're just really leading the way in that. And I'm yeah. really grateful. That's cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I, mm-hmm. I can sort of tuck away and keep to myself if I, I could go a whole day and not speak to a human and I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, I like people. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like people. Uh, I really do. Uh, but 
you know, at the same time, like my natural inclination isn't in to, to walk into the coffee shop or walk out to the beach and just strike up conversations. Yeah. Um, and so I think kind of like cold call evangelism is very hard, yeah. um, you know, for people that are kind of wired like me. Sure. Um, but I, it doesn't always have to be that way. It's just right. more, you know, intentional building relationships. Um, I try to do some of that. Um, I read Mark Dever's book years ago, um, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, mm-hmm. if I'm getting the name right. And Dever talks about just having these patterns. Uh, it kind of goes to the same place for lunch, you know, goes, yeah. kind of does the same thing. That way you see the same people. And I've tried to do some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to the gym, you know, I try to go around the same time, bump into the same people. Right. I go to the same coffee shop, you know, about right. the same time every week and you bump into the same people. And so, so that's, that's some of the ways that I'm like cool. personally trying to implement some of that. Do you feel like, um, I've talked with a few or I've known a few pastors who are maybe in more like rural areas or like big cities do you feel like being a pastor at a local church in basically a beach town yeah like does that do you feel like that presents any unique challenges compared to maybe other areas like in terms of evangelism or like mentality or i don't know if that question makes sense but yeah you know it's interesting because we are i mean we're we're in atlantic beach Uh, right it is a beach community i would say there are people you know, we, we do have quite a few from the beach, either Atlantic Beach or Neptune uh, down here, Jack's Beach, Ponte Vedra. Um, so we do have some beach community people, but we kind of have people from all over, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're driving in from different places. So I I think it does impact us some. Um, I don't think that's something we in particular focus yeah. a ton yeah. on. I, sure. just think, I just think relationships is what it's all about, you yeah. know, building those relationships with people. Yeah. And... So yeah, I don't I don't know that we've really tapped into anything beyond that yeah. for us here. Sure, cool, cool. And with your um, congregation, as you talked about your church, um, you mentioned biblically uh, plurality of elders. So that's like a conviction you have, and it plays out by you having that plurality of elders. Is there any maybe other? theological belief that you and your your church holds to um that you also put hands and feet to like this one belief this theological conviction we have we put this on display this way you know yeah yeah that's a good question yeah a lot of different things i think we could talk through around that i would say one thing is our very firm belief that God saves people through the preaching of his word. God Mm -hmm. matures believers through the preaching of the word, um, through corporate worship Mm -hmm. um, and the the primacy of that. And so I think what that, a couple of ways that, you know, reflects in what we do. um, One, our our services are very biblical centered. Uh, We read the scripture, we pray, um, we read some more scripture, we have a sermon. Um, and, and so the, the, the scripture is just at the center mm-hmm. of what we do, and we want that to be very clear and obvious. Um, we try, we have a phrase that we use around here a lot. We try to be easy to figure out. Um, yeah. There's nothing secret. Um, we do very simple things. Um, I like to tell our people we do very old things and very simple things. <laughs> yeah. So um, the way that fleshes its way out is is we're really not trying to be something else. We're a very simple church, um, a very simple service. And it's some people love that, some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, it does, and I, I don't 
when I when I say this, I don't mean to, you know, uh, say anything negative necessarily about what anybody else is doing. But a, an application of that theological principle is um, we do try to keep things pretty pretty simple um, and easy yeah. to figure out. Yeah. Um, here at the church, we're not trying to do the light show and the smoke machines and you know things like that for us. Sure. Um, that's how sure. it works its way out. Have you felt like throughout your since 2013 up until now, has that kind of always been the case? Like, has that been something you as just a pastor and, and leader, that's kind of always been the fabric yeah. that you've kind of, cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it has. And, you know, one thing, being in a church for 10 years now, it's got my thumbprints for better or worse. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, and so as he sometimes for worse, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just the way that it is. Right. So that that has always been a value of yeah. ours. Yeah. Um, you know, we do we do music and we try to do it well. Uh, one of the conversations David and I have often is uh, David has a as something he likes to say. You want to be, you don't want to be so so bad that you're distracting, and you don't want to be so good that you're distracting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mm, you know, yeah. we're, we're yeah. really trying to we're trying to engage people to worship Jesus on a Sunday. That's what we want to do. Right. Um, and so. You know, if you ask any of us, uh, David in particular, like, what's your what's your musical style? He'll say congregational. Um, and mm. so it's really designed to engage the congregation. That's what we want to do. Mm. And so we're we're simple awesome. by design. Um, it, it's not that we, we couldn't do other things or don't want to. It, it's not that. It's, right. it's this is what we're trying to do. Right. Um, and so that's a, that's maybe a. It's a it's a theological conviction, but I don't want to confuse. You know, we're we're talking you know second tier, third tier kinds of issues here. Sure, uh, sure. Not a primary gospel sure. issue. For sure. No, that's helpful, and I like that. Um, one thing uh, I find very attractive about churches is that very thing when it's not um, not like it's like everyone comes in, you sit down, and you enjoy a show, like you're going to the movies or something. But the fact that it is the service itself is designed to involve the congregation, I think, I would hope, in a weird way, helps you, um, is it Ephesians that talks about equipping the saints? Yeah, yeah. So I think, does that, do you, I mean, I feel like that kind of helps the congregation see, like, oh, this isn't just up to the worship team to do, you know, the singing and the stuff, or... Uh, I know with your equipping hours and stuff, you're not always the one teaching or even on Sundays, you're not. So it's like you're getting everyone kind of involved. And so I I love that about churches where it's evident from the get go that you want the congregation to be involved with the service. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And uh, Ephesians the the reference you made was in Ephesians four. This is Ephesians five, 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, to the Lord with your heart. So I think when you come together for corporate worship, it's really interesting what it says here because it says in verse 19, you're addressing one another, Mm. how, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. So it's almost a triangle here. Right. So if you imagine God at the Mm. top, um, I'm on one side, congregation, my neighbor, that I'm worshiping with is on the other. And so I'm mm. singing to them and I'm confessing what I believe about the gospel and the right. Lord to them, but I'm also singing to God. And so I think if we don't, how do we know that we're singing to one another? It's mm. like, well, you can see them, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can see them and you can hear them. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. so I think sometimes 
you know, in a if you go to some worship experience and you can't see anybody except the people on stage and you can't mm-hmm. hear them because there's this wall of music kind of blasting you out, um, I think you've actually kind of short-circuited part of mm-hmm. what Paul is saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're singing to one another, but you're singing to God as well. Right. So, right. So again, I would say this is, you know, down the list a little bit. Um, you know, it's a, it's a second, third tier type of issue. Um, but I, but it's still important. It's yeah. important, sure. and it's a theological, you know, belief and understanding right. of a particular way to do corporate worship that is clear. Right. Um, it'll be clear to somebody that shows up. Right. That's awesome. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, one of my favorite things about the podcast, um, I typically ask every pastor those same kind of three questions, and then uh, I give a different one out. So I was going to save, because my dad... Um, Eventually, I'll interview him. He's been a pastor now for, gosh, probably over 30 years, probably close to 40, I feel like. Um, But he's very intentional about rest Mm -hmm. and encouraging pastors to rest and kind of the whole sabbatical thing. And you just went on one, so I'll, sorry, Dad, I'll ask you the same question, but I would love to hear, um, you know, for those that maybe don't know what a sabbatical is. Um, or what does it mean for a pastor to take time to rest? Um, you could even go into what did you do for yours um, and kind of explain the importance of that and how would you maybe encourage other pastors to practice that? Right. Basically, your, your theology of a sabbatical, um, let yeah. you kind of take that. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So the church... This was all the way back in late 2019. Uh, we started talking about the idea of a sabbatical. I was in my seventh year. Um, mm-hmm. The elders, we were having that conversation about, hey, we'd like to give you some time off, uh, something they initiated, which I very much appreciated. That's cool. Um, it's always cool for a pastor when someone else initiates that on your behalf. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think it's wrong to ask for no, not away. at all. Like, sure. I, don't, I don't think it's wrong, but I agree. it sure is nice when That's somebody cool. else is fighting that battle for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say fighting a battle. It wasn't a battle here. Uh, people were absolutely 100% supportive, um, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that was in 2019. 2020 happened. Um, nobody did anything then. Uh, 2021, we were still kind of figuring out the world, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, and so right. it was summer of 2022, which is a little over a year ago now. Um, that we we actually did the sabbatical. So I had uh, had uh, thirteen weeks out um, of the pulpit, and then I was there on the on the last one, the last, my last Sunday. Um, I had somebody else preach, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a send off, <clears throat> and then um, I was back uh, the first week of August. So thirteen weeks total. I was gone eleven weeks. Um, I wasn't at the church. Right. Right. Yeah, I wasn't at the church. Uh, so I kind of divided that into three parts uh, for me. Um, part of it was uh, family time. Uh, we did a big trip out west. Uh, we were able to see lots of cool things, yeah. um, national parks, Grand Canyon. Pictures Zion. made me very jealous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> I should was, take a sabbatical. You should. Yeah, I'd <laughs> recommend it for anybody. Yeah. Um, you're able to see uh, a lot of neat stuff um, out there. So that was part of it was just spending time with the family. Um, mm-hmm. It was great. You know, my kids are getting getting older uh, as as we record this. They're 15 15, 15, and 17, um, you know, and we're looking at the next few years. We don't know what the Lord has for them, but, yeah. you know, if things are going to change, sure. and we're aware of that, um, and so we thought this was a really good time for us to capitalize on a chance like Absolutely. that, um, to spend time with the kids, and 
so that was a big piece of it. Um, personal development, that was something I wanted to do too. Uh, just some stuff I wanted to read. Um, I kind of picked, I just kind of picked a guy uh, that I've been wanting to read uh, for a while, uh, Bavink, Herman Bavink. Yeah, uh, so yeah. So I read some Bavink, um, read yeah. some of his ethics, uh, worldview book, a couple other things. Yeah, I just finished his uh, shortened, like, dogmatics book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. But, yeah, I just there, finished one of his Yeah, there's his Reformed works. Dogmatics, which is a four-volume. Yeah. And then his Reformed Ethics, which is four volumes as well. But the Reformed Ethics was actually pulled from his is like lecture notes. I don't think he ever finished officially. Okay. But it's been published now, so. That's cool. That one, and he had a Christian worldview book, which I, I found helpful. Um, so that was part of what I did. Um, I went up to uh, Trinity Evangelical. We're a EFCA church, Ted's mm-hmm. Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Um, they have a, a study center up there for bioethics, um, ethics related to like medical kinds of things. I went to a conference there. Interesting. Which was just fun. Yeah. And, and I was actually there and it was on uh, freedom of conscience and medical and medical ethics. Um, hmm. I didn't exactly realize what I registered for when I went. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm looking through and there's like, all of these people are medical doctors, they're nurses, um, <laughs> you know, PhDs, like writing journal articles. I'm like, I'm just the pastor trying not to say anything <laughs> stupid. Um, it, it was really cool though, uh, just being able to be there and, and just yeah. learn. Um, so that was part of it. And That's then cool. the last piece of mine was productivity. Um, just had a few little writing projects and things I wanted to do. Um, I would love one day, I started framing this up. I haven't really picked it back up since then. Um, but I would love one day, I preached to Ecclesiastes years ago mm-hmm. and a few years ago, and I would love to kind of form that up into maybe something that our church could use. Um, oh, one day. Cool. Uh, so, so I started working on that. Um, but uh, you know, that didn't get finished. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, well, that's there. all right. You had a, a, it sounds like, uh, and again, I saw some pictures that you posted and, uh, it just seemed like you were having a lot of fun. It was, you know, like just not just. Because sometimes time off from work, I'm sure it took some time to adjust to because your schedule, I'm sure, is normally full. Right. Um, so to actually have some free time, uh, it just, it looked like you were, yeah, I don't know how else to say it, just having fun, which is good to see because I know, again, living as a pastor's kid, um, serving in churches in different capacities myself and being close with pastors, like I just know, I don't know what you experience and go through, but I've just seen you know, how it can take away time from family um, to serve your church and how it can, uh, you know, uh, physically and spiritually just kind of wear you out sometimes. And uh, dealing with people is the best and the worst sometimes. (laughs) So, uh, you know, but having just some time away, um, I could just tell like, man, I hope this is all it was supposed to be, you know, that you were able to do that. It really was for us. And I, you know, I came away from that I mean there's so much I learned and and took away but I think just two like very simple but profound truths everybody needs to work and everybody needs to rest yeah (laughs) right Um, yeah yeah. it's a work rest cycle and and we just have so much trouble some people need to be nudged one direction they're just lazy yeah Yeah. Um, I tell my kids sometimes they say I need a break I'm like from what like you have to work in order to have a break right (laughs) (laughs) I need to rest need to rest from my rest I need to rest from my rest (laughs) so so, you know some people need a nudge towards productivity and work Um, I get that 
But on the other end, and I think we're just eating up with this in our culture, uh, we just can't turn it off. Uh, we mm-hmm. just can't stop working. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, another context, uh, messaging with a friend uh, this morning, and we were, and I messaged him this verse, uh, an issue that we were working through, Esther 4.14. And this is when uh, Esther is considering, like, hey, should I go to the king and try to deliver the Jews, my people, or I mean, what am I going to do? Because yeah. there was a pretty strong chance she was going to not make it through that Correct. experience. Yeah. So Esther 4.14, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But if but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such time as this. Um, so what struck me as I read that this time, if you keep silent, relief and deliverance will rise from another place. And so I, th- I just think that's an important principle because I think a lot of pastors, and not just pastors, but I think a lot of people would just say, well, if I'm not here to do this, then it just won't happen. And I think maybe just a very practical way to trust the Lord is to mm-hmm. say, you know what, I'm going to take a day off. Yeah. And, you know, somebody may be listening and thinking, well, you know, taking the summer off, that sounds really nice. Um, <laughs> but that's not happening right now. So right. Like, well, why don't you try a day, like a true day off, turn off the phone, don't mm-hmm. check your email, mm-hmm. like, and just trust the Lord is going to is going to provide um, yeah. and work through that and and I would say that's a that's a pattern that I really established years ago was was actually taking a day of rest um, which I just think I don't think anybody can run 7 days a week all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're not made to. Right, exactly. Exactly. So would you say um, would you you know a, a new pastor gets his first pastorate, right? Mm-hmm. Would you advise um, out the gate establishing, like, not not asking you necessarily to rank, where does rest fall on the priority for a new pastor or even yeah. an existing pastor? But like, where, how would, how important um, is it for pastors to actually practice and maybe the discipline to say no to certain things or like um, just to to prioritize getting rest? Yeah, I. I do think it's important. Um, I don't think it would be wise for a new pastor the first year to to ask for a sabbatical. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. plan. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was, as I said, it was seven years right. here before right. that even came up. Yeah. Um, I'll say through, and my, my life has changed a little bit since I've been here too. Um, I did not really have good work rest balance my first, I'll say five or so years here, mm-hmm. um, I just wouldn't turn it off ever. Yeah. And it wasn't like a particular moment where I just like broke. I know I know a lot of friends have had that kind of moment where yeah. it's like, I'm done. Um, yeah. Something's got to give. I didn't have that, but I think I just felt this kind of increasing tension and I saw it and I thought, if I don't, if I don't do something to kind of change my workflow, um, right. this isn't sustainable. So, you know, a few years ago, and I, I, again, I don't know like date and time, but I, I really kind of reorganized my schedule um, and to where I, I actually do take a day off. Um, that's a priority now uh, okay. that I have. Uh, Mondays for me is my off day, with pretty rare exception. Um, I do yeah. church-related things um, on that day. So that I think that's important. So like for a young pastor walking into a, maybe a new ministry context, I don't think there's anything wrong with setting that. Um, right, right, right. Set a day off. Like, 
have an understanding with your people, with your elders, and you know, there's exceptions and we need to be aware of those. Yeah. But I think that's a very different thing than, hey, I've been serving faithfully for five, six, seven years now, and um, you know, it's time it's time for a more extended yeah you know, kind of break. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. I think that's a helpful um, tidbit because uh, when I interned at a church, we had classes. I think every you know once or twice a week, and um, one of the most impactful classes. Um, was about rest and hmm. practicing, you know, the Sabbath and that kind of thing. And it came from a pastor who experienced a ton of burnout. And um, he thankfully kind of began to prioritize and all those kinds of things with uh, taking time off and time away. And uh, hearing his story was very impactful. So ever since then, I've tried not to err on the side of laziness, but just having a better work life balance you know work rest balance and uh so it's good to hear you know one that your church pretty much did that for you like you know mentioned this brought this up for you i think that's uh speaks a lot to uh the church body that you have here um, but also that you did it you know you actually decided that you are going to do this and turn off the phone and all of that so um i really appreciate you yeah sharing all that yeah uh, two resources I can maybe recommend if anybody wants to check these out. Uh, David Murray uh, wrote a book called uh, Reset. Um, mm. It's written more or less for pastors, but I think anybody could sure. really benefit uh, from that. And then Refresh. Uh, so Reset is sort of the men's version. Uh, Reset is is more geared towards um, ladies. And they're, they're doing pretty similar things. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there that are talking about that and even... Yeah. Even in both of those books, you can kind of chase the footnotes and endnotes, and you'll you'll find some other good resources yeah. um, in those. But just just good practical. Uh, how do we do an assessment of where I am on work and rest? Um, I think a couple of things happened to me. Um, one, we left town. So I had my last Sunday. I believe it was May the fifteenth. We left town mm-hmm. on May sixteenth. We were gone for three weeks, so it was like a hard break. Like out the door we're gone right, right. like on a plane uh, so I, I think what was weird for me is when I came back and I'm back in the city yeah back around but I'm not supposed to be coming <laughs> to the office I'm like okay what am I supposed to be doing in my life yeah um, yeah that was kind of weird <laughs> and that took a little adjusting um, yeah but yeah and I and then I, I my my last word and caution on that um, I think maybe coming back, I was pretty energized to come back um, mm-hmm. when I came back. So I think it was a good amount of time. Um, I think that fall, maybe a, a few months after, it was like the reality of the pace kind of hits you again. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, we're not doing this again next year, are we? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's, that's fine, and I think to be expected somewhat. Yeah, but, um, yeah it's, sure. it's I've, I've just known some pastors, I think, in the past, and they just sort of live for if I can just make it to sabbatical, then I'll be fine. Um, mm. If you're mm. not in a healthy place, a sabbatical is not going to fix it. Um, mm. It's not. So a sabbatical is for a healthy pastor to be refreshed and and to have some time to think and pray. Mm. Um, it is it is not a fix-all. Um, yeah. So if, you, if you're in a bad spot, I, mm. I actually would probably recommend not doing an extended sabbatical because I don't think you'll go back. Mm. So mm. that's maybe yeah. counter to some advice that <laughs> others would give, but I, 
I I think oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Hmm. That's some really interesting thing about because I wouldn't have. Uh, yeah, definitely not as it's a, a fix to all your problems will go away if you just kind of run from them for a little bit and then just come back to them, you know. Um, but especially with the work of a pastor, um, that's, a, I think, a really that's good advice. Um, well, I'm really glad that we finally were able to sit down and do this. Yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure. been a lot of fun talking with you. Any final, uh, anything we can be praying for for you or for your church before we, we close this one out? Yeah, uh, just pray for us to stay faithful. We've uh, we've had a really good season. Um, we pray a lot for unity uh, in our church. Mm-hmm. You know, we would the Lord would preserve that in us. Um, there's always decisions to be made with our elders, shepherding things like that. Yeah. So we're we just want to stay faithful, uh, not get distracted. Uh, mm. Stay stay faithful and on task. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Alan. I really appreciate it. All right, no problem. Mm-hmm.